If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It's four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. on Thursday night here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is, of course, where you are listening to uh, or watching the Steve Malsberg Show on TNT. Lots to get to. Um, most importantly, I think, because I, it, with all that's wrong in this country and with the direction we're going in on so many different fronts, as I talk about almost every single night, there's nothing more important than protecting our borders. You know, we talk about Ukraine and we talk about everything else you could imagine. But this administration, the Democrats, they don't want us to. They really never have wanted us to, with few exceptions. Vulnerable Democrats who represent the state of Texas in Congress. There are a couple of them, a handful. They're on board with the Republicans. But otherwise, come on in, come on down. Now, let me start by saying what's going on. It looks like the House of Representatives is willing to shut down the government if the Senate doesn't take action on a bill that the House passed last year. The second piece of, uh, of legislation they passed, H.R. 2. They passed it when, when the new Congress came in, in 2023. I can't believe 2023 is last year, but it is. It was. So what would the bill do? Among other things, the bill would make it harder to claim and be granted asylum. Right now, you just anybody says anything and they walk in and they're granted asylum. So it would make it much, much harder. It would also limit the um uh you know put a freeze on 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 regional migration um on the way to the united states but 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 here's what it would do in this country things that we could actually control not only would fewer people be granted asylum but once you're granted asylum and you're awaiting a hearing or you're you know you're awaiting a hearing for claiming asylum you don't get to live in the united states of america for three four years wherever you want to go and then we lose the government loses track of you and you never show up and you're here and you're done and it's over no you would be held at a u.s government immigration facility until your hearing how's that oh that's so unfair and so inhumane really really and as for the illegals that are here now, employers would have to verify, and I think it's by using e-verify, and they would have to, you know, sign off to the government that all their employees are here legally. And if they're not, guess what? Goodbye. Now, I know, oh my God, who's, and can you, can you imagine how racist this is? Can you imagine if this was a Republican argument and conservatives made this argument? But this has always been one of the arguments of the left. Who's going to clean the toilets? Who's going to pick the crops in the field? Who's going to jobs that Americans don't want to do? Oh, the immigrants. Huh? 
Now, whether or not that's true, <laughs> truth doesn't matter. How could you say something like that and not be branded a racist, right? Well, because the left is saying it, so you, they can't be racist. And, you know, it's, it's just an accepted mantra, an accepted fact. Well, who's going to do those jobs? And it, but imagine if that was the cry, if that was somehow the argument of the of the right. We need the immigrants to clean the toilets. Unbelievable. So this is HR2. It's not all of it. I'm not explaining it in depth correctly as far as every detail. But this is what they're willing to close down the government for. And you know what? I am with them 100 percent. I am enough of this. Enough of this. We're being invaded every single day. And as I've said over and over, including yesterday, when we talked about um, a bunch of uh, Republicans going down to the, the border, and I played you a little bit of a, of a couple of clips from a press conference. We got a lot more with the Speaker of the House today who made the, uh, the interview rounds. Very interesting. But thousands and thousands and thousands of illegals coming into this country every day, some on the terror watch list, some caught, and then we have to assume the other, some who have been caught, others have gotten in and haven't been caught. Disease, we don't know. <laughs> wear a mask, must wear a mask. But anybody could come into the country and we don't know if they have a disease. I mean, you can't make it up. And the American people, again, the last poll that I saw um, on immigration and Biden's handling of immigration, his approval rating, was it 28%, 24%, whatever, you get the picture. You get the picture. And who are those people? The radical leftists in this country. Nobody, including Hispanics, who came here legally, whose family members came here legally, who went through the process. None of them are happy with this. I shouldn't say none of them. You know what I mean. Now, I want you to hear the media coverage. Some of the interview coverage, the interviews done with uh, um, uh, Speaker Johnson, because it's very, very telling. Of course, we know where these people stand, but it has to be acknowledged. It has to be reinforced. And so we're going to do that. So let's go uh, right now to uh, Jake Tapper with uh, Speaker Johnson, Mike Johnson on CNN. This was yesterday uh, talking about the border and Johnson's trip to the border and the whole the whole shebang. And here is cut number 46. The president should come to the border. It, what, a, what an idea that would be. He should talk to the border patrol agents who are down here. I think he went last year, just FYI. Yeah, too. well, he went for a photo op. He should come and spend a couple of days like we have to be with the people here on the ground who are fighting this war on the border. That's effectively what it is. We have so many people, Jake, seven million people have come into the country since biden uh, walked into the oval office and that's a a low estimate most people believe it may be twice that high we have it, nearly two million gotaways that we know about not to mention those who evaded capture over 300 uh, known terrorists apprehended at the border trying to come in we don't know how many evaded uh, capture and, and uh, detection they're in the country potentially setting up terrorist cells everywhere fentanyl is the number one cause of death for americans age 18 to 49 flowing over the border like an open sewer human traffic is the number one business of the cartels here estimated we were told today jake one of the local sheriffs here said that they believe that the cartels are making 32 million dollars a week on trafficking human beings into the u.s that's over 1.5 billion dollars a year 
transnational criminal organizations, and the Biden administration seems to care nothing about it. The Biden administration doesn't care anything about it. Couldn't care less. They love it. They love it. It's what they want. Chaos. More and more illegals flooding cities because one day they'll all vote. That's one reason. But they want the chaos because Barack Obama is pulling the strings. And we know who he is. Read rules for radicals. Ladies and gentlemen, read rules for radicals. Look it up. Um, here's more from the interview. And, and get this from Jake Tapper. <laughs> He's cut 47. Remember, they could, they could issue executive orders and fix this overnight. You could uh, restate, reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy. You could stop the catch and release policy that the Biden administration right. assists upon. You could do some, some very important things, but they refuse to do it. So just, just one note on the terrorist thing. There aren't hundreds of known terrorists getting into the country. There are people uh, whose uh, identity have been flagged on a certain database. I just don't want people out there thinking that, you know, 200 members of Hamas have flown into the into the country and we don't even know about it. It's a, it's a little hey, bit more hey, complicated. Jake, I'm hey, not, Jake. I'm, it, not, I'm not saying that it's not serious. I'm just saying these aren't necessarily terrorists. That's the terrorist watch list, Jake. Right. It takes quite a bit to make that list, okay? These are dangerous people who are coming into the country, and we have hardened criminals who are coming from all these countries around right. the world. They're opening prisons and sending them here. We saw it today, Jake. We know what's happening. We're talking to the people on the ground. So these are not Republican talking points. This is reality, and the White House needs to wake up to it. Right, no, and, and these criminals and individuals have been coming in for years, uh, Republican, Democratic uh, administrations. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a schmuck do you have to be when you're told by the Speaker of the House that terrorist people on the terror, over 200 people on terrorist watch list have been caught and we don't know how many have have gotten away, have, haven't been caught, haven't been found out and it could be in the country. Well, I don't want the public to think that it's Hamas coming in. How do you know? How do you know? And the congressman, the speaker of the house is Jake, Jake, Jake. It's the terrorist watch list. You have to be pretty high up to be on the terrorist watch list. Well, this has been going on for years. I mean, this is like having a Democrat sitting there instead of saying we got big problems. Oh, well, you know, no, it hasn't been going on for years. Not like this, Jake. And the Remain in Mexico policy and the other policies that the speaker talked about on the first day, Joe Biden reversed them and let the floodgates open. <laughs> oh, God. Ugh. Ugh. He's a journal. He's a journalist, a journalist. He doesn't want people to think Hamas is coming in. How the hell does he know who's coming in? How do we know who we who we didn't get if we didn't get him? How many millions of getaways? How many million getaways? Who's in that list of getaways? Not terrorists, not, not, not all terrorists, but how many are terrorists? Does Jake know? Maybe Jake should go work for State Farm. <laughs> Whatever that means. All right. So Jake wasn't the only one who got the speaker. Uh, in an interview, uh, Margaret Brennan on CBS, host of uh, Face the Nation. She got an interview as well. 
with Mike Johnson. Here's cut 51. On his first day in office, President Biden came in and issued executive orders that began this chaos. Um, Remain in Mexico is, is one of them. Uh, the, the catch and release program has created part of this problem. You could end catch and release. But you need the logistical and financial support to be able to do that. You need the judges. You need to be able to process people. We talked to federal agents about just that challenge. Yeah, well, we and that Congress has the purse strings to well, give them the money to do that. That's true. I'll quote to you the, the deputy chief of the U.S. Border Patrol. He said, it is as if we're trying to administer an open fire hydrant. He said, I don't need more buckets. I need for the I need the flow to be turned off. And the way you do that is with policy changes. We're just asking the White House to mm -hmm. apply common sense. And they, they seem to be completely uninterested in doing so. What is so difficult about that? What do you, we need judges? We, if you reinstitute the remain in Mexico policy, if you make it harder for people to come in to do that, you need more judges? No, you would need, theoretically speaking, uh, to follow logic, less judges. So what the hell is she talking about? Again, another Democrat operative question. And she's not finished with the judges. I think she brings it up again at the end uh, when she's summarizing her interview at the end after he's departed. Uh, this 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 fascination on more judges, which is what Biden in the the bill that has the money for Ukraine, the money for Israel, the money for Taiwan and the money for immigration at the border, the money for the border, like it's going to fix anything. It's money for judges and more facilities for illegals and, yeah, more border agents, but to help with the processing, not to keep them out. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah, it always happens that way. No, it doesn't. Wasn't that way under Trump. He signed executive orders. He got things done and Biden reversed them. Day one. All you got to do is put them back. Here's the next cut with uh, Brennan and the speaker. Fifty two. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson says he does want a deal, but he has not been read in on what the White House is negotiating with the Senate. You heard him mention and return to that Trump era remain in Mexico policy, which requires migrants to wait outside the U.S. while their claims are adjudicated. Tonight, a Biden administration official told me that while nothing is off the table, the administration needs Mexico's help and is not going to, quote, stuff things down their throats. As for those <laughs> asylum hearings, well, there are fewer than 800 immigration judges in this country dealing with three million pending cases. The White House funding request would help hire more judges and clear that backlog. Oh. Yes, let's get more judges and let's let more people in once we get the more judges. Uh, it's antithetical to solving the problem the way it should be solved. I'm sure in her mind and in Biden's mind, it would solve the problem. But that's not the way we want the problem solved. And you're not going to shove things down Mexico's throat? Really? Really? <laughs> so that great meeting with Mayorkas... And our, our secretary of state uh, at the border a couple of weeks ago and the president of Mexico, I guess it didn't go so well, did it? Well, that, or maybe it did. Maybe we didn't even ask for anything that we didn't get. Maybe Mexico didn't have to say no to anything because we don't want to we don't want to offend Mexico, certainly. 
We don't want to make Mexico be responsible, at least in part, for protecting our border. We shouldn't. We should build the biggest friggin' wall with the biggest barbed wire and 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 underground and and the water. Put put the things in the water that that, that Governor Abbott, all the things Governor Abbott's doing. But we dare not. That's inhumane. It's humane to have people sleeping on the streets in the cities of our country at the expense of the citizens of this country. That's humane. (laughs) Okay, so speaking of Mayorkas, who the Congress is in the process of hopefully impeaching, and he was asked today if he would leave his position if he were to become the first Homeland Security chief to be impeached by the Congress, and he said no. You watch this guy, and he is a deer in the headlights like you've never seen. And he gives non-answers, and some people have, have taken him to task. Let's go to CBS this morning. Tony uh, pupil okay? Question and answers with him and, and, uh, and uh, Mayorkas. Here's cut 63. Mr. Secretary, let's talk about solutions, because, of course, Republicans say the border is not secure. And Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, he says... The necessary next step is to stop the flow. The hydrant is on, in his metaphor, and they don't need more buckets. They need to turn it off. What is the White House proposing to solve the flow problem that Republicans have identified? So, first of all, we are facing um, uh, a challenge that is not specific or exclusive to the United States. We're facing a level of migration throughout our hemisphere that is unprecedented. On the first day in office, President Biden sent to Congress a legislative solution. Everyone agrees that the immigration system of the United States... Mr. Secretary, I mean, respectfully, yes, there is a global migration crisis, but the president of the United States also, as a candidate, said, come, come to the U.S. if you want to claim asylum, restore the dignity of that process. That was his position. Bravo, Tony, the antithesis of Jake and Margaret, huh? Woohoo! Uh, so he's asked, what are you going to, what could you do to, well, you know, the United States isn't the only one facing this problem. Who cares? I care about the United States. That's the question that you're being asked. You're the Homeland Security Director of the United States. Don't tell me about, well, everybody has this problem. Oh, my gosh. Good for Tony. And it wasn't over. Oh, no. Here's cut uh, 64. And so people are coming. The numbers have gone up tremendously. And nothing in the White House's plan addresses what Republicans are saying is so important. Catch and release, a phrase you hear. What that means is people come across the border, they claim asylum, and then they're allowed to stay in this country for years while they wait for that process to play out. Years and years and years. People know that's the game. They know the bar for asylum is low. The claim bar is low. And so they come. Are you doing anything? Are you willing to do anything to stop the flow in that way? We need Congress to fix the system, and we need the resources to administer it. Mr. Secretary, I'm glad you talked about enforcing the laws because what this conversation is about is what the law should be. You're talking to senators in the White House about a bill on that side of the chamber. The House has already passed something. So what I'm really asking you here is, would you change the law? (laughs) 
because he doesn't answer the question. He didn't answer the question before Congress during multiple committee appearances. He doesn't answer the question. And he he's either, again, how do you judge? Is he that stupid? He can't be. So he purposely looks like a deer in the headlights and gives, you know, answers to different questions. One more. Uh, cut 65. You support changes to the law to reduce the flow. And I'll give you specifics that Republicans want on the table. They want the standard for allowing a person to come across the border in between ports of entry illegally is the word for it and wait here. They want that standard to be higher. Right now, it's just credible fear. They want it to be more likely than, than not you'd be allowed to stay. I think you know the reality is most people who cross the border and uh, claim asylum, the vast majority do not actually receive asylum. And then they're just here. So will you change the standard at the border as a matter of law? You're not talking about the fundamental point of contradiction. The Republicans want a, a stop to the flow with very specific ideas. You're not even talking about those ideas this morning. <laughs> he, he raked him over the coals and Mayorkas couldn't care less. You see the expression on his face? You see a change? No, he couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. They told him to do the interview. He did the interview. How many times did he have to re-ask the question about the changing of laws? Put back what Trump had that you took away doing something. No answer. Won't answer the question. <laughs> now, um, this is Joe Biden during a debate with Donald Trump, I believe. Um, it's a shortcut. And it's one of the things, one of the, uh, the come on down signs that were put up uh, right on the face of America, where it was announced all over the world. And people started packing their bags when Joe Biden got elected, because this is what he said. And he said this over and over again, but this was at the debate. This is 66. I would in fact make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says, if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. There you go. Come, you're fleeing oppression, come on. <laughs> fleeing oppression oh my goodness so there's the open invitation and he won he got into office he got rid of all the the uh, the laws that uh that trump put into place that limited immigration numbers severely and now they're out of control unprecedented and they refuse to do anything about it they refuse to answer the questions about it all they say is we need more judges and we need comprehensive immigration reform which has been the mantra of the left for 25 30 years 25 30 years because they don't care they don't care and that's it now as you may or may not know the speaker of the house all the republicans who passed that hr uh, uh two back last year and people like me who talk about it and favor it and want all these things that that the uh, speaker is talking about and that's in the bill we're all a bunch of racists oh yeah and guess who's calling us that and 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 uh, ali velshi that's right al jazeera alumnus ali velshi he doesn't like us one bit and here is cut number 53 
Now, what both Trump and DeSantis are advancing in these op-eds are neither actual fixes to our country's border issues, nor are they actual immigration policy. But they are the sort of plans you can tell people you have, and they are articulating them to the public. They want to let fewer brown people in. They want immigration to be the most painful process possible. They want to set new records in deportation. Again, none of that really addresses any of the root causes of migration or the actual problems with our immigration system, which are real. And it is a plan around which Republicans are largely unified. This is video from last Friday of migrants, including children and adults carrying children, attempting to cross a river at the southern border in Eagle Pass, Texas. The Texas governor, Greg Abbott, tweeted this video out today. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. We don't want brown people coming in. We don't want brown. I tell you what, Allie, in your sick, twisted, demented world, that's what you believe. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what country they're coming from. If they're coming in illegally and they're here illegally, stop them and get them the hell out. Color doesn't matter to me. Okay? Doesn't matter to me. You jerk and uh so so he's showing the video that that abbott put out oh whoa 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 here he comes uh, and we're supposed to cry wait a minute okay we're supposed to cry over that video according to ali velshi here's number uh, 54. not out of sympathy for the plight of these migrants that you're looking at on your screen and their harrowing journey but to celebrate the razor wire that his government put up to make their journey more difficult Governor Abbott is currently facing off with the Biden administration in court about whether it was illegal for Abbott to put the razor wire up in the first place. But legal or illegal, and it probably is illegal, the cruelty is the point. And again, this is not just Abbott. This is not just DeSantis. This is not just Trump. Today, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, led a delegation of 60 of his fellow Republican congresspeople to Eagle Pass, Texas, the same spot on the border that the governor was tweeting about. Members of that delegation threatened to shut down the entire federal government if their demands on border policy are not met. Because because they don't like brown people. <laughs> you know, and, and I, you could get angry at it if it weren't so comical and predictable. Because how dare he say that? How dare he say? Who, who talks about brown people? Who talks about what countries they come? I mean, I don't care what country they're coming from. I don't care where they're coming from. Brown people, brown people. All right, folks, when we come back, we're going to talk about something that over the many, many years, I've, I'm proud to say I've done so many shows on. And I am a lone, well, there are others, but... You got to go far and, and look hard. I, I, I'm kind of a lone voice uh, when it comes to this. And it's the slaughter of Christians. And you, you, if you knew everything that was going on and has been going on for decades, you, you'd probably be outraged, shocked and outraged. I'm not shocked anymore. I'm constantly outraged, but nobody seems to care. Or, again, very few, comparatively speaking. But when we come back, we have a gentleman who uh, certainly cares, and he's going to educate us, and me, you know, me included, on what's going on uh, in one country uh, specifically, and we'll talk in general terms as well. So don't go anywhere. I'm Steve Malzberg right here 
on TNT. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world providing news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Tout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. Last year, around the world, almost 6,000 Christians were killed because they were Christians. And an overwhelming majority of those, according to our next guest, about 90% were killed in Nigeria alone. And so let's, uh, let's find out what's going on in Nigeria and, and across uh, the globe when it comes to the killing of Christians. And we welcome in Doug Burton. He's an award-winning conflict reporter and the managing editor of Truth Nigeria. Uh, he is also a former State Department official uh, who served in Kirkuk, Iraq uh, between 2005 and 2007. That was during the George W. Bush administration. And uh, Doug, it is a, a pleasure and an honor to have you, sir. Well, it's an honor to be on the show. Thank you for caring, Steve. Well, talk to me, you know, talk to me about Nigeria 
and and why why this um this this concentration at least last year according to the statistics you present uh of of uh, of the the christians who were attacked and killed for their faith why is it taking place in, in nigeria tell us all what what's going on there well this is the largest country in africa and it's the major u.s ally in the continent this is the richest country the most populous country in africa it's the leader country in west africa if Nigeria becomes a majority Muslim uh, authoritarian state, the surrounding states are likely going to go the same way. I spent two years in Iraq where we were battling uh, an Islamic uh, fundamentalist insurgency. A few years later, that became ISIS. I began covering it. And we had to watch painfully over the years as the Christian minority in Iraq was murdered or driven out of the country. So I was there when there was still about 250,000 Iraqi Christians in Iraq, but now there's less than 40,000. They will never recover their percentage of the population. I began reporting on Nigeria because I saw the same things happening. I saw an insurgency, actually different kinds of insurgencies, doing the same criminality in the name of radical Islam. And I saw a nation going down. And that's what we're reporting for truth nigeria all right so so what who are the groups are there are there names to the groups are there who is doing the the killing and do the killings come sticking to nigeria for now um mainly in in churches or do they rampage through christian villages um i'm sure they're not you know shot from a distance i'm sure the killings are most horrible tell us what's what, how it's done you know what's going on who's yeah. doing it and and how these people mostly are attacked steve it's all of those things now many people have heard about the insurgency linked to isis there's actually two of them one is called islamic state of west africa uh, the original group was boko haram which means western learning right. is forbidden and these insurgencies are centered around the northeastern part of the country, around Lake Chad. Okay. And now, the more consequential threat is radicalized bandit gangs who are actually, they're mercenaries, they are truly bandits, but they all claim to be radical. They claim to be uh, Muslims. They all say, Allahu Akbar, which means God is great, when they go into villages at night and kill people. They do this uh simply to islamicize the country they gain materially from it as well so in the central and western part of the country you have very mineral rich states that are dominated by these islamicized bandit gangs that have, they have been responsible for killing tens of thousands of christians they are more of a threat than the insurgencies i mentioned now the terrible right. killing that many people heard about, maybe you reported it, that happened during Christmas, beginning on December 23rd, uh, that took the lives of 295 people in just one state in north central Nigeria called Plateau. It's one of the richest farming states in the country. And the people who did it, and our estimate is it was at least 1,500, maybe as many as 3,000 terrorists who rampaged uh, sometimes 10 villages at once, then they went from village to village. They were not opposed by the military. And they attack at night. And they, they come first with a wave of men with assault weapons. Uh, they sometimes battle uh, civilian guards who have inferior homemade guns. 
Then after they push them out of the way, they come into the villages uh, with a second wave with uh, killers holding machetes and they slash anyone who's left. And then a third wave comes in and they burn the villages. They burn the houses <laughs> up. Now, recently, in the last few days after these Christmas attacks, uh, and they, they, these were all intentional, this, this is a killing, this is a genocide. It's a genocide in every sense of the word. After they uh, burnt out the villages, they, they sent in men in the last few days to tear off the zinc roofs from the buildings, tear off the doors so these people cannot return. They are occupying the villages, and the state of Plateau, which is nominally majority Christian, is going to be converted into a Muslim stronghold. That's why the United States government needs to be involved. Well, that, that was my next question. You talk about uh, the, the importance of Nigeria uh, to the United States, uh, the supposed importance. Why do we, what are we doing? What are we doing to, have to, to stop this, to protect the Christian population, which, as you said, it's getting uh, smaller and smaller and it may be too late, but what have we done? Why are we doing absolutely, you know, to me, it looks like nothing. Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, doesn't want to <laughs> run. The reason is the U.S. State Department needs Nigeria more so than Nigeria needs the U.S. Because the State Department is competing with China which has a head start on influence in the region. China is funding vast infrastructure projects like uh, telecom, like power, power plants. And also China has built the latest high-tech port in Lagos. It's the biggest port in West Africa. It's owned by China. China is, is uh, taking payments from the Nigerian government for the next 50 years. China owns the port can control the port and it will be someday a naval station it'll be a a port for chinese warships the u.s government doesn't want to lose nigeria as an ally so there's they're not criticizing it hmm. uh, we're talking to douglas burton of uh, uh editor of truth nigeria here on the steve malsberg show on tnt um why do you think well first of all let, let, let's let, let, let's get a little bit um, branch out a little bit more um how widespread is this look you talk about the dwindling dwindling population of christians in, in specific villages in nigeria and the country itself and you see that throughout the middle east you see it in other places in africa um how widespread is the killing of christians over the let's say over the last few decades it's very widespread i mean it's a crisis that these killings happen all over the middle part of nigeria it's called the middle belt and it's but i'm talking uh, about beyond nigeria i mean i'm talking about around you know africa middle east whether i don't know how they're dwindling the population in the middle east of christians because you don't hear about Christians in mass being killed in the Middle East, but but it's happening all over the world, and that so that's what I'm asking is it's beyond Nigeria a little bit. Tell you, I mean, it, it express you know your concerns for what's been going on and what will continue to happen. Nigeria is just an illustration of what's happening all over Africa. You have Islamic insurgencies, you have ISIS insurgencies. ISIS is very active all up and down the eastern spine of Africa. We're talking about Kenya, <clears throat> all the way from Sudan, Kenya, uh, you know, Uganda, all the way down. 
The Al-Qaeda insurgencies are very powerful on the west side of Africa. Uh, there is an Al-Qaeda insurgency in Nigeria called uh, Ansaru. So counterintelligence agencies, the European agencies, the United States, and the West African countries themselves, they're all contending. Most of them have an insurgency of some kind. And we have had four different coups. Four nations have booted out their civilian presidents in the last two years because the, the people are uh, dissatisfied. They're outraged that the government can't contain the bandits or the insurgency that are taking advantage of the people. So we're talking about a, a country, I mean, a continent that has the, the, a soaring population. It's extremely wealthy. It's the wealthiest continent in the world. It's going to be the influential continent in the next 50 years. And it's, it's in a civilizational crisis. All right. Why, why do you think, I mean, I, one of the things I touch on every night and have for decades is the media. And I, you know, but why do you think this isn't of interest to the media? Do you not think it would be of interest to, in a Judeo-Christian nation, that it would be of interest to people of the Christian, you know, any of the Christian faiths about what's going on in, in, in here that you've described? I mean, don't you think people would take notice? I do. But why, why does the media just not care? It's just not happening as far as they're concerned. Well, Steve, are we still a Judeo-Christian nation? Sincere question. I mean, in a nation where the federal government is investigating conservative Catholics, traditional Catholics, yeah, as potential yeah. terrorists, is that a Judeo-Christian nation? No, it isn't. The, the problem is, and this is hard for many people to grasp, is that Nigeria is not so different from the United States. They have agencies weaponized against the people. One, their army is fully collaborating with this terrorism. But our own agencies, our own institutions of government, we have an administrative state. We have a, you know, a Center for Disease Control that betrayed us about the, the pandemic. We, we have a Department of Homeland Security that's maintaining <laughs> open borders. This is not a nation that is accountable to the citizens. But Nigeria is, is fighting with the same existential problems. They have open borders as well. They have a political class as well. They have rigged elections. Their elections are even more rigged than ours. Uh, they're corrupt from top to bottom. And yet, Nigeria is a different from the United States in that it is a country of devout people. Both Muslims and Christians are devoutly religious. And this it's also a nation that doesn't practice birth control, no contraceptives. Their population is soaring. And when these folks come to the United States, they're going to make a difference. Well, it's a, it's a very troubling scenario uh, that you paint and that's going on throughout Africa. Um, anytime people are killed, you know, for their religion, uh, it's, it's, it's just outrageous. Tell folks how they could uh, follow you uh, at uh, Truth Nigeria. Please go to our website. It's new. But you'll get the most accurate and uh, comprehensive uh, reporting there. We did the first story and the most complete story about these massacres on Christmas Day. Hmm. We recently uh, we publish a new story every day. Come to truthnigeria.com. 
And you can support the parent organization. It's called Equipping the Persecuted. You can look it up, equippingthepersecuted.com. It's a humanitarian aid group that provides material substance, food, and also medical aid to the tens of thousands of Nigerian Christians that are in IDP camps. So please uh, consider <coughs> helping them. Uh, there are many good organizations that are trying to help. I would recommend something else, Steve. Yeah, go Since ahead. I, yeah, Steve, I, I was a State Department guy, and I saw something similar happening in Iraq. You know, they, uh, you have little groups of people in Iraq. They want to get help, but the state agencies tend to funnel the aid through state organizations, which are controlled by, you know, organized crime groups. I would suggest this. If you want to help a Nigerian family, a Nigerian church, this might sound outlandish to you. I would say contact them directly. I would say I'm a believer in citizen-to-citizen -citizen diplomacy. Okay, That's what I did in Iraq. I connected Boy Scout troops uh, in the Washington, D.C. area to Boy Scout troops. in. Wow. Europe. They loved it. State Department wow, would never. Yeah. So I suggest if you if you guys want to, if, if anybody wants to talk to a Christian family that lives in a war zone, if you want to talk to a reporter who's out there giving us information, sometimes risking his or her life to give us an accurate report, contact me. I'll put you in touch. I will give there you, you the name and his email. Here's my email. Well, Burton News and Views at gmail.com. All right, Burton News and Views at gmail.com. I hope you get uh, nothing but uh, good, sincere emails. And uh, Douglas, I, I also hope you, you will come back to the show. And I hope you have a wonderful, uh, healthy, happy uh, 2024. And I, I hope that um, the world takes notice and, and justice is, uh, is done and, and, and something is done to stop the slaughter of Christians uh, in Nigeria and, and around the world. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, Douglas Burton, and again, uh, Truth Nigeria. Go to their website, check it out, as you said, and contact them. You got the email, contact them, and, uh, and do, do what you feel. Do your part if you feel it. Um, you have a, a unique opportunity here to be uh, to get gain information that would help you do uh, just that. We have one final segment left in the hour. When have I heard that before? So we're coming back. Don't go anywhere. Steve Malsberg right here on TNT. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we gonna do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone gonna go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes. 
Good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. You're listening to The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I like that. The stakes are high, literally and figuratively. That's uh, that's good. Okay, uh, folks, welcome back. Um, tomorrow, uh, God willing, we'll uh, reconvene, of course. It's, uh, it's a Friday, and there means no guests, just you and me. Lots to talk about, lots to get to. We even have a couple of, of highlights from the, uh, the worst of 2023 put out by Media Research Center that we didn't get to last of the last, I guess, uh, the last show of the year or the first show of the year on Monday. So uh, if we have time, we'll get to, to some of those award-winning uh, uh, clips and sound bites and, and videos. Um, and who knows what'll break between now and 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 then. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Trump, it's gonna be interesting to see what the Supreme Court does and when they do it. Two things, two filings from Trump. First, he's claiming immunity from prosecution because the, the the president is not an officer of the law. But in other words, you could commit a crime while you're president and not be held responsible or accountable. I'm sorry, I have to be consistent because I remember, I remember one Bill Clinton, okay, during his impeachment hearing, okay? I'm sorry to say, okay, okay, okay. And they played his testimony back before a grand jury. And he lied under oath about his relationship with Monica Lewinsky to a federal grand jury. It's known as perjury. Perjury. Now, oh, do I? Re- I'm old enough. I remember. I remember doing show after show, having left wing guest after left wing guest playing soundbite after soundbite. I guess this was uh, while I was at WABC Radio back in the in the nineties, and. The left's defense of Bill Clinton lying under oath and committing perjury as president of the United States was he only lied about sex. Who wouldn't lie about sex? It's just about sex. You can't blame him for lying about sex. He's a married man. Who wouldn't lie about that? So, you know, so I said, all right, let's draw up a list of all the crimes a sitting president could commit and nothing would happen to him because it's no big deal. Robbing a bank? Robbing McDonald's? I don't know. Let's start going down the list. But if perjury to a federal grand jury is now going to be judged based on the topic of the, of, the, of the testimony and the topic of the lie and the perjury, then we're in trouble. And that, that's exactly what I said then. So I, I don't buy Trump's argument that if he committed a crime as president, he can't be charged or held accountable. That, to me, that's just ridiculous. I can't see the Supreme Court. I don't care if they were all Trump appointees. I don't see any judge voting for that, to be honest with you. I really don't. Now, the other issue before the Supreme Court, of course, is the Colorado ballot. And, you know, taking a, the, the Colorado State Supreme Court four to three decision finding that trump participated in a in a uh, insurrection even though he was never charged with it and under the 14th amendment blah 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 blah, blah he he's unfit to serve he's not qualified to to run for president so therefore he's off the ballot 
And then you have the Secretary of State of Maine who took Trump unilaterally, no court, just her, took him off the ballot. So the Supreme Court will rule on that. And I'd be shocked if they don't rule on it because that will cause chaos. And if they rule on it and say, oh, no, he could be kicked off the ballot for that. I'm sorry. I just I just don't see it. I mean, he's never been charged with it. You know, there was that there's never been a court, a, a trial. It's, it's 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 insane. And I don't as some people say, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a unanimous decision, meaning uh, uh, Sotomayor and 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 the other three, the other two on the on the left, uh, Kagan. And um, I'm sorry, the latest one, um, whose name escapes me. They're not going to vote. Maybe one of the three might surprise us. I expect kind of a uh, a uh, seven to two decision. I'd be shocked if it was nine nothing. But come on already, get on it, Supreme Court. Let's uh, let's act and let's uh, let's make a decision because we're getting close. The, the Iowa caucus is is with an S <laughs> caucuses. It, it's in a couple of weeks now, less than a couple of weeks. And things are starting to happen. Then you got New Hampshire. I mean, this is this is it. And then, of course, there's another issue before the court. Jack Smith. Oh, and there's a story about Jack Smith, how Jack, people on Jack Smith's team tried to protect Hillary and the Clinton Foundation from prosecution. But of course, does that surprise anybody? This Jack Smith, to me, it's pretty obvious. Now, I don't know what's happened to the claim that there was he had that Ed Meese, former attorney general of the U.S., put out, uh, filed with the court that that Jack Smith had no right to be appointed a special prosecutor because he was a civilian at the time. And according to the statute, apparently, according to Ed Meese, you you can't you can't appoint a civilian to be a special prosecutor because it puts them above everybody else. So there's a lot that's going to be untangled, a lot of court decisions, a lot of trials where Donald Trump's on trial in the next few months. Like I said, from the beginning, unprecedented, totally unprecedented. So we'll have to wait and see. But this, um, you know, this, this whole thing, it, should, it, just, it just makes no sense. It just makes no sense, you know, and your guess is as good as mine as uh, as to what's going to happen uh, with the Supreme Court, with the lower court rulings on different things that the Trump people have gone before the court to uh, appeal or, or to, uh, to to try to stop. And uh, with Smith and Smith going to try to stop Trump, it's just it's a mishmash. How do you spell mishmash? M-I-S-H. M-O-S-H, I guess. Anyway, folks, believe it or not, we've come to the end. And um, again, please, tomorrow, tell your friends, tell your enemies. We'll do it again, God willing, right here, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on TNT Radio.